Coming up on the podcast today, a chilling warning from the past as we hear from someone who had a really good idea as to what the plan is when it comes to changing the United States of America. We get into that. Pat Gray joins us as well to talk about that. Uh, Should we take down Ulysses S. Grant statues? Uh, That's an interesting conversation you never thought you'd have to have. We talked to a woman who was the stepmother of the police officer who was fired in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, she is uh, not happy because she got fired as well. No one seems to know what the reason is other than they didn't like uh, the the officer. We'll get into that with her. She's not happy. And Colin Kaepernick, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Pretty strong opinions on that one, actually. And you get to hear Glenn pronounce a quarterback's name correctly. It's a pretty interesting show. You'll hear it today uh, right here on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Five stars being the appropriate amount of stars. Also, click on over to Stu Does America. I'm going to give you, I feel like the uh, election started this weekend with a Trump rally. Um, You know, the rest of this has been, we've been focused on other things. The election really started this weekend. We're getting into the state of the race, where we stand, what's coming next, all on Stu Does America tonight. And you can get that podcast every single day, delivered free as well. If you subscribe, rate, and review, or check it out on YouTube, just go to YouTube and search for Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to tell you about a guy who everybody thought was Tomas David Schumann. But he really wasn't. His name was uh, Alexandro uh, Alexandrovich Bem- uh, Bezmenov. I'm so good with names. I practically speak every language. Um, he's a guy that was a Soviet journalist for RIA, but was also an informant with the PGU and also KGB. He defected in the 80s to Canada. He was assigned to a station in India, and he actually grew to love the people of India and the free market. And then he began to resent the KGB stationed repression of intellectuals who dissented from the Moscow policies. And so he decided to defect. What he what he meant by that was he went in um, under direction of the Central Committee, the Communist Central Committee in Moscow. And what he had to do was convince people to start writing things from the Soviet perspective. Then he and his team members would also go in and look for those people uh, in the government that would be sympathizers. And anyone who they couldn't turn, they would use their power in the media in India to be able to smear them and destroy them. Does any of this sound familiar? They would spread disinformation and they would make it so you would you wouldn't be able to know. Let me give you his exact quote. Exposure to true information wouldn't matter anymore. A person who is demoralized, which I'll explain in a minute, is unable to assess true information. The facts tell him nothing. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents and pictures, he will still refuse to believe it. That's the tragedy of the situation of demoralization. So when he defected, he he came out and he did an, an interview 
And he did an interview to try to tell the West, you need to wake up. You have no idea. The interview was done up in Canada with G. Edward Griffin. And in it, he explained the methods that are used by the KGB. And it is for a gradual subversion of the political system of the United States. Now, we couldn't see this in the 1980s. We thought this was nonsense in the 1980s. But I ask you to look at this 20-year plan and realize we're 19 years away from September 11th. And you tell me this plan hasn't happened and is happening right now. I want you to listen to pieces of this interview. It's in three parts. And I want you to listen to what he is, uh, what he is saying, what the KGB and what Marxists do to destroy a country. Listen. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is a slow process active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Okay, stop. The first one being demor- Stop. Uh, let me just pick this. Let me just make sure you understand. What he's talking about is ideological demoralization. To get you to a point to where you can't defend your country, your position, your family... Remember, on Black Lives Matter's website, they talk about one of their goals is the destruction of the nuclear family. I'm sorry. I will never stand with Black Lives Matter. I will never say that Black Lives Matter. I will never say, well, there are good people in Black Lives Matter. If you have read the website, you know that that is for the destruction of the family, of our nation, of the, the constitution, of, of the free market system. It's evil. It is evil. And I swore off the word evil. You know, in the, what, in the last 10 years, I've tried not to use the word evil to describe things. But this movement, this Marxist movement is evil. Now, how many of us have tried to sit down with our family members or our children or our older children, and we've tried to talk about the things that are going on, and we find it hard to defend anything because their answers are so circular, and you have a hard time explaining and a hard time uh, 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 defending Because they've taken all of those things away. They've taken, you can't point to a good example anymore. Because everything has been destroyed. So everything, you're demoralized. Are you not? Okay, he says there's four steps. Here's step one. Demoralization. 
it takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. Stop for a second. So it takes 15 to 20 years to be able to do this. The more time that goes by, the better, because the more generations you have. Now, he said there's going to be people who disagree, and he'll talk about their liquidation in a minute. But there will be people that won't go along with it. You need at least 15 years to re-educate the next generation. That's where I want to focus, because he said, here's the only thing you can do is re-educate the younger generation you're going to be left with the generations that you guys have missed and that's what they're counting on but everything that i felt in the last everything i felt and i warned you about in the in in 2008 to 2012 it's all here it's all here the players that we pointed out the way it was going to happen the chalkboard on the riots of the the left and the uh, marxist and the islamists islamicists and the um the anarchist all coordinating working together with the democratic party they're all working together and i will prove it to you on wednesday night um so keep this in mind. The one thing that we have to do is we have to have 15 years. Well, many of us really started to teach our children the right things uh, during the Tea Party. But I don't know if that's enough. We need to really focus on our families. All right, pick it up. The psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, dissidents. 
unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. You can get popular for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This no they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. Then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck. With, with demoralization and unless even if, if you start right now here this minute you start educating new generation of Americans it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism so that we've already done but there are more steps left have we done those? We continue in just a minute. Protecting your data from people who would love nothing more to, than to steal it is one of the highest orders in today's digital world. Think of it this time. Every time you go to a public Wi-Fi, even if it's password protected, it's the equivalent of flinging the contents of your wallet into a big crowd and saying, come and get it. Cybercrime is on the rise, and Norton 360 helps you stay more private and secure in today's connected world by keeping those prying eyes out. When you get Norton 360, you're getting real-time protection against existing and emergent threats to your information with a VPN operating on bank-grade encryption, a password manager that easily, securely creates and stores and manages passwords, and a whole lot more. Norton 360 is your key to better cybersecurity and peace of mind. Nobody can prevent all cybercrime, but Norton 360 is a powerful ally for your cyber safety. Get up to 50% off your first year with an annual subscription at Norton.com slash Beck. That's Norton.com slash Beck for up to 50% off. 10 seconds, station ID. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, all right. Step one, demoralization. To destroy our history, to to get you to a place to where you can't even defend it. To make sure that our kids are educated in Marxist philosophy. And then what's the next step? Here's part two. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. This time, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. 
Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. Six weeks. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not, create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. The situation is not under control. The situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in a state of war undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. So what did he, what did he just say? The first thing you have to do is take the underpinnings so people can't defend things. Right now, are you having a hard time Defending things. Are you having a hard time defending uh, the fact that America is not a racist place? Are you getting into discussions with people you thought were uh, normal in the same boat with you? And when they start to say, yeah, but I'm with Black Lives Matter because, uh, you know, we really are a racist country. Wait, wait, what, what, what? And what does that mean? And how do you define that? And have we gotten better? What is the problem right now? And there are so many people that are, are dipping their toe into this. Do you realize that Black Lives Matter, this is a Marxist revolutionary group, a Marxist revolutionary group. It now it surpasses the approval rating of the president of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, uh, Congress, any administration, the press. It is only less popular than the military. It has a 68 percent approval rating. It is a Marxist organization. And this is going to be mocked and ridiculed. It doesn't matter. The truth has to be spoken. Now, he gets to his last place. So far, everything is happening that he said would come. It's here. What's next? 
You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. We've been playing uh, some audio, if you just joined us, from a, a former Soviet KGB officer that defected uh, from the USSR to Canada. And in the 80s, he talked about how Russia and the Marxist-Leninist uh, revolution was going to happen in America. It, we've put it together in three parts, uh, and it's pretty stunning, the first the first thing is uh, demoralization, which happens in our schools. And you've got to get our schools and the media to demoralize people and to tear apart and teach incorrect history. So it would fall in favor of the Marxist Leninist uh, kind of uh, propaganda and feelings. And he says, you know, we've been doing that for decades here now. And it takes 20, 20 years to get a country to confuse it so much that it can no longer defend itself. It doesn't, it, it, none of the answers work anymore because they don't know what truth is. And he said, there comes a time when there even truth, even documented proof doesn't matter anymore. Pat's joining us. Pat, I think we're done with the step one. Oh, for we? sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even documented proof. And he said, you got to have the media involved in it. Then uh, he said, the next step is to create chaos. And there's two steps. One is destabilization, destabilization of the economy, of all foreign relations. Well, that's that's happened. We're done with that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Destabilize our economy. Uh, Yeah. Coronavirus. And then he said, then you create chaos and he said it only takes about six weeks to really put a country in chaos if it's well coordinated well i think we're pretty pretty much there but they're waiting in my opinion they're waiting until the election and that's when real chaos is going to happen uh john Kerry came out today and said if trump wins there'll be a civil war that's mm. remarkable in in seeing that he is saying that those who don't want Trump would be the ones causing the civil war, because that's what he was railing about with the Tea Party, that we wanted civil war. None of us wanted civil war under Barack Obama. None of us. We wanted people to be held responsible for their actions. The same things people say they're protesting for today. I want accountability. You do something wrong, you're held accountable for it. So uh, now we are in a period where they are looking to cause chaos and to further destroy our history. Our history, I'm going to get into it next hour. Our history is gone. Mount Vernon came out uh, this weekend and said, if we destroy the statues of George Washington, if we destroy his image, there is no such thing as American history anymore. You lose George Washington, you lose the country. And that's what they're after. And by the way, military vets, I want to talk to you after the top of the hour. So now he says, uh, after all those things, he says, here's step three. Here's the third part. Listen. What, what actually happens now that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. 
the, the time bomb is ticking that every second the disaster is coming closer and closer this is it this is the last country of freedom and, and possibility okay so what do we do what is your recommendation to the american people well the immediate thing that comes to my mind is of course there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in the spirit of real patriotism number one number two to explain them the real danger of socialist communist whatever welfare state big brother government if people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development nothing ever can help united states you may kiss goodbye to your freedom all this freedom will vanish evaporating in five seconds including your precious lives at least part of united states population is convinced that the danger is real they have to force their government and i'm not talking about sending letters signing petitions and all this beautiful noble activity i'm talking about forcing united states government to stop aiding communism from destroying what is whatever is left of the free world two two very simplistic answers or solutions but never nevertheless they are the only solutions educate yourself understand what's going on around you you are not living at the time of peace you are in a state of war i know it sounds unpleasant i know americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant it's a question of survival of this system and you have precious little time to save yourself uh, we don't like um, to listen to things that are unpleasant uh, that's is that true or what? That's true, man. That's, that's true. true. That's true. But if we don't listen to these warnings and act right now, remember this is 1983 when he's saying you wow. can, you have, you have literally uh, several years that you can live like this. But you, you, once it happens, it's going to happen quickly, and it's happening. It's happening and it's happening quickly. So what do we do? Well, we've we've got to pay attention and first forget about the outside world. Your own children need to understand what is happening. Your own children need to get into the boat and make sure that they are not in any of these Marxist boats. And it's going to be extraordinarily difficult extraordinarily difficult because they want they're going to want to argue the truth that don't you want everybody to be fair don't you want to be yes i do but just like i said the um, the homosexual um, movement was not about gay marriage i have no problem i'm a libertarian you want to get married great get married don't force my church to marry you and i won't force you to get married or not get married just whatever you want to get married by a tree get married by a tree it's wonderful but i don't have to marry you my church doesn't have to marry you well that's not what it was about and we had this conversation love always wins yes it does but sometimes reason is needed as well and reason would uh, say look into the groups and what they're actually pushing all of this stuff that has been going on with this radical sexualization of our of our children comes from the same group that said love always wins well those are two separate topics and just like i said 
That's not their intent. That might be your intent, but that's not their intent. Their intent is to use that because they know they get you. What you need to do is make sure that you look into what they are actually saying. And I'm sorry, you don't ever stand with a Marxist communist. You don't. You don't further their cause with them. You can further your cause, but not their cause. If we don't start having these conversations and we don't start really understanding what is happening to our country right now, we are going to lose it. But I have had great, great trust in this audience that this audience will save the republic. And it may only save it in a remnant, but it will save the republic. And it's on your shoulders. And voices like mine, like Stu, like Pat... All of these voices, they are going to go away. They are going to go away. You are going to have to be the leader in your community at some point. Look what they are doing to our country. Look at what they have done to our country in the last six months. We have put so many people into bankruptcy. We have closed the nation. They have they have taught us to be sheep. They yell at us when we want our freedoms, and they accuse us of being revolutionaries. And when actual revolutionaries show up, they don't do anything about it. And now all the corporations are taking our history away. Did you hear Aunt Jemima's, what, great-grandson is really pissed? You took my family's history. That was my great-grandmother. She was a slave. She became free. That was my great-grandmother. Now you've taken my family history away. Damn right. Wow. Yes, they have. And they're going to continue to do it. I think it's really important to separate because so many young adults are completely, they're all in on Black Lives Matter, which you pretty well outlined how, what a Marxist group that is. And they don't understand that because they haven't gone to the website. And even if they go to the website, they're not going to understand what they're saying there. They're, they just don't, they don't pay enough attention. They, but you have to separate, I think, the concept of Black Lives Mattering, which to everybody they do, yes, nobody argues with that, do they? Does anybody say, no, no, Black Lives don't matter. I've never heard it. So, but if you can separate that principle from the group, I think that's a win. Uh, and that is a win. We just we have to separate the principle from the group because the group is, like you said, evil. The principle is correct. The group is evil. You as a parent cannot separate these things alone if you're not educated on it. If you haven't done your homework, you will lose your children to this movement. It is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It is popular. Uh, you mm-hmm. are the dumb parent that doesn't know anything. You really need to work with your with God, with your spouse, and do everything you can to educate yourself first. These are going to be extraordinarily tough questions to answer, but it'll make you and your family better because only tough questions, honest questions are the ones that make a difference and you have to get your kids to agree to a dialogue it's not going to be a one one night thing it's got to be a dialogue um 
I think even my own children at times raise, you know, roll their eyes at me. I'm telling you with everything in me, we have very short period of time. We have until possibly the election. I mean, when John Kerry says, you know, there's going to be a revolution, he knows he means it. There's going to be a revolution. Uh, And we also have to stop this hemorrhaging of our police and this hemorrhaging of our um, uh, of our statues and our history. Do you see there? They now put a safety box around the Churchill statue in London while they decide what needs to be done. If you lose Winston Churchill, you lose all modern English history. You can't lose Winston Churchill. And they're trying. Yeah, well, they're, I mean, the same thing's happening here with the George Washington statues. I mean, if you lose George Washington, you lose the indispensable man. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Can, can you think of a better way to fight back against racism uh, than getting rid of the guy from history that took out, you know, Adolf Hitler and opposed him uh, with Churchill. It's like mm-hmm. the guy, this is, it, the same thing happened with Ulysses Grant, S. Grant. They're, they're, they're taking down his statues now. Yeah. Like what are, like that's what well, a white, white supremacist would do. But he's, right? but he's oh, white. A white supremacist he's a, he's a white would guy. go take down the Ulysses S. Grant <laughs> statues. It doesn't make any sense anymore. I, I don't even think they're trying Listen. to understand. It's just destruction mm. and, and mayhem and chaos. And it points back to, uh, as you point out, Glenn, the website, right? Like, these are the things that they're talking about, and it's left exclusively to conservative media to tell you that there is a website and that there is mm-hmm. a group with a plan. No, there is at no point do you even hear the, the media say, look, most people don't agree with these things, but the group does say some pretty crazy out there Marxist stuff. They don't even acknowledge even that. that much, Mm-mm. which would still be you know questionable and at least a debating because point. Because they're wholly... They're in uh, toe, leg, body, up to their eyeballs in it. Yep. They are fully immersed in this uh, being the narrative and this winning. And it will mean the destruction of the United States of America. And we need to uh, make sure that we are, if you want to save the country, the worst thing you can do is to create violence. They want it. They need it. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So the American Museum of Natural History will remove the statue of Theodore Roosevelt from its entrance after years of objections that it symbolizes colonial expansion and racial discrimination. That's according to Bill de Blasio. Of course, Bill de Blasio is happy for the city to comply to get rid of Theodore Roosevelt's statue. This is now the Museum of Natural History, who I believe Theodore Roosevelt's dad was on the board of and helped fund it. Um, Theodore Roosevelt, a guy I don't like. The guy was a progressive, started the progressive uh, party. This is a progressive hero. They're now taking him down. I don't like Theodore Roosevelt. But I don't want his statue gone. 
And if you're going to remove it there, well, you better start chiseling the face of Mount Rushmore. Because he's on that, too. We cannot get rid of our history. Good and bad, it must stand. You are robbing people of the opportunity to explain how nuanced people are. They're not all good. They're not all bad. If you read uh, history on Winston Churchill from the Indian point of view, you'll hate him. He was a monster. If you read it from the Western point of view, he was amazing. So which was he? Both. Both. We all are. Ulysses S. Grant and Francis Scott Key statues were pulled down. Ulysses S. Grant, he's the guy who led the army that stopped the Confederacy. He's the guy that led the slaves to freedom. He's the guy that stopped the KKK when he was, a, when he was president. He went after them like nobody. He crushed the Klan. He presided over the ratification of the 15th Amendment. How is this guy bad? You know how he's bad? He once had slaves. No, he had a slave, and he didn't have it. It was, believe it or not, the slave was a wedding present. He got rid of him as soon as he could. Set him free. What do you mean he owned slaves? He was given, because of his marriage, a slave. He hated it. Why is he suddenly a slave owner? Holy cow. All right. So they're pulling down our statues. You know a couple of statues that aren't being pulled down? Here's a statue in Seattle. Uh, it's a bronze statue of the communist revolutionary known as Lenin. It came from the Czech Republic as they tore down these statues because they didn't want these communist dictators everywhere. So it was purchased by somebody in Seattle and eventually was just put into, uh, uh, what was it, the Fremont District. And so it's on a corner of a, of a street in the Fremont district of Seattle. They're leaving that one up. By the way, the Marxists have unveiled in Germany in their little, in their little chop or chaz. They've just unveiled a new, uh, Lenin statue as well. Hmm. Okay. But remember, this has nothing to do with changing our history. And going towards Marxism has nothing to do with that at all. At all. George Washington's Mount Vernon has come out with a warning because they tore down the statue of George Washington in uh, Portland. Without George Washington, there would be no United States. There would be no Constitution, which allows the freedom of speech, assembly, and protest, as well as the separation of church and state. And without Washington, we would not have a civilian-led military. 
If we fail to honor George Washington because we only understand him as a slave owner, we're done. Do you hear about the guy in Miami? Vandal used red spray paint to outline the Russian communist symbol of the hammer and the sickle over a plaque on a controversial statue of Juan Ponce de de Leon, downtown Miami. Well, mm. Jose Armas, he saw it. He saw the hammer and the sickle, and he saw the red paint all over the statue. He's a U.S. citizen. He went and he uh, he showed up in the park. He brought a ladder and cleaning supplies. Last Monday, he was up on the ladder, and he was cleaning all of that up. He said he doesn't mind protests. But he minds the color red and the hammer and sickle because he lived through it. He knows what it is. I want to speak to those people who have come from oppression, who have come from Poland, have come from East Germany, have come from behind the Iron Curtain, who know what this is who have seen it in their own countries, who have lived under Marxist utopias. Your country, your new country, needs you more than ever because we just don't get it. We need you more than ever. We need you to stand up. Those of you from Venezuela, you need to stand up. You need to gather together. And you need to march to wake American people up. You don't need to march to stop Black Lives Matter. You need to march to wake the American people up. Because we don't get it, and we don't think this could ever happen here. I do. I know exactly what's happening here. And I know we have probably until the election to be able to save our nation. We need you to stand up. You probably know what that means. It means if they win, you're on a list. I want veterans to stand up. But I only want veterans who have control of themselves. I want a veteran... I want some veteran groups to stand up that will just take the beating. And I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Because you have the kind of honor and integrity that many of our police officers do when they just have people yelling at them. We need those veterans to stand up from all wars and stand up and surround these monuments in our areas. They cannot be taken down. If we lose Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, if we lose these people, we're done. I don't like Robert E. Lee. But we can't lose our history 
And that's all they care about. They say these are offensive and they're oppressive. I've never been oppressed by a statue of anyone. I lived in Seattle. Oh, you know what? I think of the statue of, uh, of Lenin in Seattle. I think it's stupid. Doesn't impress me. It makes me look at all the people around and go, boy, these people are dumb as a box of rocks, huh? It doesn't oppress me. You know, there's a story. If you look in the news overseas, you're going to find a story of war veterans protecting a a memorial as BLM protesters take over this whole town. Well, it's up in uh, Scotland. It's in Southport Town. It's Southport Town Hall. And there was Black Lives Matter coming into town, and the vets were afraid that the memorials and the uh, and the statues would be defaced and destroyed. So they got up, and they just surrounded, wearing you know the the colors, whatever it is that they could wear their their caps, uh, t-shirts that show what what infantry or what you know what regiment they were in. And they stood there peacefully. Now, the London press is saying that these veterans are radical right-wing groups. They're going to call you all kinds of names. They are doing this country a great disservice, and they know it. By marking everyone who is standing up for BLM... A just peaceful, wonderful flower child that we're just going to have a summer of love. And those who stand up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't right as right wing ex- uh, extremist. Well, if believing in this is standing up for the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights and asking for actual justice over social justice asking for our police, our military, and our uh, leaders in Washington to follow the Constitution and act accordingly. If that's what makes me a right-wing extremist, well, then so be it. You have gone so far left, you can't even see the right anymore. You can't even see the middle Did you see what NPR reported this weekend? Vehicle attacks rise as extremists target protesters from NPR. Apparently, in Virginia, Charlottesville, terrorism, uh, terrorism researchers say right-wing extremism is turning cars into weapons in response to ongoing protests against police misconduct. Oh, my gosh. Really? Holy cow, that's horrible. Well, here's what happened. Uh, a car in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, went and just was speeding through and hit a protester. And this is, this is honestly right wing for you. Except when you actually look at the whole videotape, not the edited tape that NPR did not make a mistake with 
It was purposely edited. You're missing the part where the protesters have surrounded the car of this woman. They are yelling and screaming at her, pounding on the window. Then one of them reaches into the car, grabs her hair, and somebody pulls a gun because they're telling her to get out of the car. Would you get out of the car? Because I wouldn't get out of the car. She stepped on the gas to get away from them, and she didn't see the people that were also protesting that were walking across the street, and all of a sudden, she hit somebody. That's not a right-wing extremist trying to kill these protesters. That's somebody who's panicked because there is no law. We must not take the law in our own hands, but we must stand up for the truth. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Melissa Rolfe, the stepmother of the Atlanta police officer now charged with murder. I cannot imagine what it is like to be a parent um, of this man today. Melissa, how are you? We're we're doing okay as well as can be expected. We're standing together, so we're we're hanging in there. Um, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Um, can you tell me first of all how is how is he doing? Um, how's Garrett doing? How is uh, how, how, what is the reaction from you know anybody with any kind of sanity? What is this looking like? Uh, well, Garrett is in um, the best spirits he can be in. Um, but um, as far as Garrett's case go, I would just ask you to please call his attorneys and, and ask them, um, you know, if you have any questions about Garrett. Um, but as far as him personally, he's he's holding up. He's strong. And um, so he's like I said, for, considering the circumstances, he's doing well. It must be hard when your city is not supporting um, and you have a D.A. that is under investigation for multiple corruption charges who is just using this to get himself reelected. And you have the Bureau of Investigation for Atlanta or for Georgia. They haven't even filed their report yet. They were shocked when they found out that this this charge was being was being made by the D.A. Mm-hmm. I Can you tell me? Go ahead. I'm going to say, go ahead. All, everything you're saying is true. So uh, we were all very shocked as well. All right. So let's take you back to Thursday morning. Thursday morning, you had to turn your son over to the authorities. Tell me what that was like. Uh, it was heartbreaking. Uh, we were all, you know, obviously devastated. Um, and and um, so that's, that was the plan for the day. And um, it just... Complete devastation for our family is is what that was. And then you uh, you got a fifty six second phone call from your supervisor at work. Correct. Correct. When was that, and what did they say? That was early afternoon. Um, we were coming back home, and I had missed a phone call, and I was returning it. And up until that point, I had had full support 
of my company. So I had no, you know, reason not to call him back. Um, and when I, when I called, he answered, said, hello. And, uh, he said, how are you doing? My, my direct supervisor, how are you doing? I said, well, I, I've had better days, but we're okay right now. And he said, well, I just want to let you know we're uh, terminating our relationship with you. And I said, why? What happened? And he said, uh, I can't tell you any further. That was. I can't tell you any further. Nothing any further. Okay, so wait a minute. You, you are a human resources director at Equity Correct. Prime Mortgage, right? Correct. So are you the boss of the human resources department? Yes. As the director? Have you ever had that happen before? Had you ever said, I can't tell you why I'm firing you to, to somebody at your, at your place? I, no, I had not. And, and never before anywhere have I ever just told someone, uh, we're firing you, goodbye. And so what did you say when they said, well, we can't tell you? I just said, well, I knew he wasn't going to tell me any further. Um, and I, so at that point, I just said, well, what about the, my belongings in my office? And he said, uh, well, you can come pick them up. We'll leave them downstairs with security or we can ship them to you. I said, well, please just ship them to me. I, I don't really want to be in Atlanta right now. So that was it. And 56 seconds and he hung up. And then how did you find out that they were saying that it was you were creating a hostile work environment? Uh, I was notified that they had put a um, statement on their um, company website is how I, I was notified. It's there now. If you pull up the company website, everything's been taken down except this extremely hurtful um, statement about me that's on there. It's embarrassing and it's hurtful and it's very it's just false. I, I'm not aware of anything I've done to this company, um, except, you know, I, I was, like I said, up until they fired me, I was, it was my belief that I had their full support. So this has just been, it's a false statement that I've done anything, but it's, it's so hurtful. So, so, I mean, you are, you're in charge of HR and uh, you and I both know that, Unless you did something grievous that was a fireable offense, creating a hostile work environment would be something that you would usually sit somebody down and say, hey, what's going on? You've been a good employee. Then this is happening. What's what's happening in your life? What's going on? And you don't fire somebody and they're surprised by a charge like that. Do 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 they do you not? Not typically. Um, I know Georgia is an is an at will state, uh, right to work state. Right. I get that, but typically you can't fire someone for an illegal reason. But they haven't told me anything. I I have no knowledge of anything that I've done. And since when I left work uh, on Friday the twelfth, everything was great, and I haven't been back to the office yet. So I'm not sure what I did to create a hostile work environment. They, they won't tell me anything. Is it possible that your hostile work environment was caused just by your presence because of your son? That is a possibility. That is a possibility. But again, I can't confirm or deny. I, they, I, they just haven't told me anything. So, um, I mean, it's just kind of strange timing. But 
you know, that it goes along with, with all of this with Garrett. But, um, you know, I, like I said, right now it's just this horrible uh, statement is on their website about me, and, and it's false. It's just completely false. So, Melissa, what do you what do you want from them, or what do you think should happen? Uh, well, honestly, I haven't really gotten that far yet. Um, I, I'm still trying to take it all in. Uh, we've had you know so much going on this past week that yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't want this focus taken away from Garrett. But I don't want this focus taken away from this movement that we're trying to continue with the law enforcement across this nation. Um, this is their chance and, and to, you know, to, for this movement that's going on now. And I want to see that continue. So I, I don't, as, as bad as it is, what's happened to me, I don't want it to take that focus away from what's so much more important right now. And, and that's our son, but it's this nation right now. Uh, how come you haven't been? Most people would be silent. Um, they would learn their lesson. Their son is uh, facing jail time. You've lost your job. Uh, you know, it's it's happening all over the country where people are losing their jobs because they did or didn't say one thing in particular. Um, why weren't you scared into silence? I wasn't scared into silence because that's not what's right. Uh, it, it's time that we stood up and, and, and stood up against what we believe is wrong. And, and the war that's on, on the police officers right now is wrong. And, and we have to stand up. And if it costs me a job to fight for my son, then so be it. But, um, you know, as a mama, I, I'm going to fight for my children. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And I believe most people feel the same way I do. Your son ever been accused of being a racist? I mean, more than what everybody, because they're white, has been accused of. Now, has your son ever been accused of being a racist or had any of these problems in the past? Not that I've ever heard. Um, Garrett is a yeah. wonderful young man. He's he's so kind-hearted. He's extremely intelligent. He's the kind that, you know, no matter what you need, he's there for you. Um, he's just a wonderful person, and he, he just loves everybody. So uh, not that I've ever heard. So, Melissa, when you look at the police, I can't imagine why they're still on the job. I really can't. When you look at what's happening to the police in Atlanta and everywhere in the nation, there are bad police officers, but the majority of them are good. Just like there are bad doctors, majority of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um when you see what is going on and you see how um, they're being treated in Atlanta, would you tell your son to go back to work if, if he was clear to this? That's a tough one. I, that, that's, that's a tough question. My heart would tell me no. I don't want him to go back into a line of work like that. But he loves it. He loves the job. Um, as most police officers that we've talked to, they love the job. Um, you know, and, and so if he chose to go back into it, we would definitely support him if that's what he, he wanted to do. But, um, again, my heart would tell me, try to, try to talk him out of it. Um, the, uh, the, um, the employer that you have, Equity Prime Mortgage, 
has 23 fundamentals that they say everybody that they operate on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they rebranded recently, they put these fundamentals out. Were they really drumming these fundamentals in your head at the oh, at the place? They're, yeah. Absolutely. They're on all their social media so, sites, and we're expected uh-huh. to live by them. And yes. All right. So let me just give you some of them. Uh, practice blameless problem solving. Do you think they they did that? No, no. I think they failed uh, miserably on all twenty three counts. Yeah, do the right thing always. Honor commitments. <laughs> Speak with courage. Show sincere appreciation. Listen generously. Um, uh, share the best information. Uh, choose positivity. Uh, be proud of our appearance. Show you care. Get the details right. Always be evolving. Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, and demonstrate empathy. Have they empathized with you? They started to for the first few days, and then I, who knows what happened, but no. I, like I said, when they, when they got tested on those fundamentals, they caved and failed. And how is your relationship with the um, rest of the community? What kind of feedback are you getting from them? The, are the you guys safe? The, uh, yes, yes. We... Um, The support has been absolutely incredible. We've heard from people all over the world um, showing support. And um, we've heard from Australia, Egypt, Scotland, uh, Russia, as of this morning. Um, We've heard from all over the world people just needing to offer prayers and and thoughts of, you know, for what's going on. And not just with uh, the situation in Atlanta, but for our country. So, you know, it's it's just been overwhelming and, and so wonderful that, um, it's humbling, really, is what it is, to see how many people came out in support of law enforcement. Um, do you have uh, enough money for really good attorneys? And how are you faring on all of this? Now you've lost your job. Your son is needs the best attorneys. How are you guys faring on this? Uh, well, the uh, uh, defense fund for, for Garrett is um, has grown, you know, just People have been so wonderful to donate, um, and that's what's important. I, I'm not worried about myself. I will figure out something. Somewhere I'll get a job. That's not even important right now. Um, that we, This has got to be – it's just so much bigger than me. I'm, I'm just not worried about myself right now. So, um, but, but Garrett's Defense Fund is, is um, secured, and um, so we're, we're just thankful that so many people were willing to reach out. And, and, um, and so many people are sending cards and – and letters and just want to say, you know, we're thinking of you, we're praying for you. And, and uh, that means so much to Garrett as well. So the, uh, the defense is being done by Georgia Law Enforcement uh, Organization. You can find out how you can get involved at georgialeo.org, georgialeo.org. Um, and uh, that is where he is being defended. And you can find more on the story. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on and sharing your story. Melissa, I appreciate it, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. 